Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. God bless you, Chicago Tabernacle. God bless you. My wife, Maria, is back there. Um, so make sure you greet her on the way out. And um, a little embarrassed what Pastor has said. I will say this, though. We have spent years together. He was an intern at our church for a period of time. Chrissy, we watched her grow up. And, uh, and I'll say this. I, I, was, I didn't do very well in sports. You know when they pick teams and it's always the last guy they pick? And I was the last guy. Um, but I would say a little bit about the observation of Pastor Toledo, Chrissy, the team member. They are spiritual athletes. They are. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. And, um, and what about the choir and the singer musicians? Come on. Technicians. There's teams holding our babies. What a great place to be. I, I want to share with you about something that I think maybe all of us struggle a little bit with, and it's called waiting. Yeah, waiting, like when they say, please go to the waiting room, it's like, oh no, it's like getting root canal. You know, you got to wait in a waiting room, and that's what a waiting room is for, and uh, it's difficult sometimes, we get a little impatient. We live in a culture where, you know, it's, everything's a microwave, and it's Instagram, and if someone doesn't answer your text immediately, like you're frustrated, you know, why didn't I just text them two seconds ago, and we've, we've kind of developed that way, and yet waiting is an important thing when it comes to the things of God. So... Uh, David, who uh, obviously King David, he wrote many of the Psalms. He was a musician, a singer, a prophet. Uh, he writes this in the 40th Psalm. This is from the Passion Translation. It says, I waited and waited and waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. When we wait, what enables us to wait and wait some more is to know is to know God is coming through for you. He's in your corner. He's on your side. He doesn't want you to fail. He doesn't want you to fall back. So when the waiting period comes, which you all have to go through at certain seasons in our time, we need to know he's going to come through for us. Isaiah 64, 4 says this, God works for those who wait for him. How many need God to work for them? I need God to work for me every single day of my life. The Bible says, well, he'll work for you if you wait for him. If you, if you allow him to orchestrate or guide or, or, or lead your life. And so I want to talk about waiting. And even though it's maybe something we don't embrace wholeheartedly, it's an indication when we wait for God, it's an indication of our maturity, of our development and becoming the men and women of God God has destined us to be. He has a plan for you, not to harm you. Yeah, but to, to give you a future, to give you hope. There's, there's, a, there's a plan that God has that is long range. It's not short range. Short range. Waiting is part of it. Uh, Romans 8.28, when Paul wrote that to the church of Roman, he said that God works all things. All things. And the all things seem, include the good things and the not so good things. But he works all things together for the good for those who love him. Do you love him? God's going to work for your good. But in that working of God's doing in our lives, there's a waiting period. And the writer of the book of Hebrews was writing to Jewish believers 
who were exasperated because they were being persecuted, they were being harassed. They had to go through that whole transition of leaving a culture, a religious culture that they knew, and now stepping into another culture that seemed to not contradict, but it was different and change is difficult. And they were getting exasperated and, and waiting was a tough time for them. And so the writer of Hebrews writes this in the 10th chapter, 35th and 36th verse. He says, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Not the confident trust we have in ourselves, but the confident trust we have in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. When we keep this confident trust in the Lord, there are rewards that follow. Goes on to say, uh, these rewards, will be, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. You know, someone took the time to figure out there's about 7,000 promises in the scriptures. 7,000. And part of it comes as a result of us waiting and not throwing our confidence, regardless of throwing it away, regardless of what we're going through. Isaiah writes this in the 30th chapter, talking about rewards. He said, blessed are all who wait for him. Blessed, happy are all those that wait for him. I love this metaphor, Isaiah 40, and it's so picturesque. The prophet writes this, but those who wait on the Lord, so they could be those who don't wait on the Lord, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So there are times where we all get fatigued, we all get exasperated, we all get tired. Well, how do I revive myself? Well, you could drink a Red Bull, but that won't last long. What you could do is just wait on God and say, God, I need you to breathe on me, blow that breath on me, refresh me, let that holy wind come and stir my spirit. Doing the work of the Lord can be taxing. It's called the work of the Lord. Obviously, it requires labor. But in that doing the work of the Lord, when you can get weary, which you can, God, the Bible says, if you wait on the Lord, he'll renew your strength. That's a promise. And then he gives us this picturesque. He says, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And I think we've all seen that picture of that eagle just going through the air, almost effortless, just soaring. The tips of the feathers are up in the air, and it's just above all the troubles that are happening on below. And he goes on to say this. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Talking about endurance. Talk about perseverance. All as a result of waiting. Sometimes they think, well, if I'm waiting, I'm not getting anything done. Sometimes God could do more in our lives when we're waiting on him than when we're busy running around. You know, we can get so caught up in the work of the Lord that we forget about waiting on the Lord of the work. It's so important for us to realize that, you know what? Uh, there are things that God entrusts in us, and there are times because of that we can get exhausted and get tired. We all do go through seasons. Maybe some of you today are going through a season where um, you're waiting on something, and, and, and the answer hasn't come yet. And praying for a while, and praying for direction, praying for wisdom, praying for God to open the door, and the door hasn't opened yet. Praying for the door to close, and the door hasn't closed yet. Maybe praying for that marriage to turn around to be the marriage you've always intended it to be, that you were praying for it to be. Praying for the child that went wayward. I raised all, Marie and I raised all our three sons in the, in the church. And um, um, there were times, you know, they did things, they made choices that hurt us. And I realized the yelling, the screaming, the beating, the threatening, that doesn't work. But waiting on the Lord for them. And now all three of them are pastors, you know, so that waiting on the Lord. But the waiting is difficult. We always want to do something. For, for the singles here, I, I don't say this lightly. My heart breaks for you. Loneliness is a tough thing to deal with. 
And you might want to move forward and make something happen. And we can find so many religious things to embrace our decision. But if it's not the Lord, it's not going to be a very pleasing relationship. Waiting, waiting is difficult, but that's why the writer wrote to the, the, the Hebrew believers. And in the text, he said, I want to encourage you. Hold on. Don't let go. Don't throw away that confidence, that trust you have in God and his word. Stick with it. Don't let go. Because listen, guys, they were going through stuff. We all go through stuff. Whenever you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the best decision you can make in your life. And if you haven't made it, I pray today that you will. It's not joining a church. It's not joining a religion. It's joining a relationship with the Son of God. But I guarantee you this, you'll go through some stuff. Jesus said it in John 16, you know, in this world you have troubles. If he stopped there, that would be depressing. But he went on to say, but fear not, don't worry, I've overcome the world. Whatever you're going through, I've overcome it already. It's waiting on the Lord that brings us to Marie and I got saved uh, this September. Uh, no, not this September. <laughs> Why is he preaching? No, we got September. <laughs> 1975, we got saved in 1975. And we came out of a, we were both divorcees, we were doing drugs, we were reckless living together. Both of us came out of a Catholic background, and I thank God for the Catholic background because it put some, it put some foundational truths in us. And we both went to Catholic school for 12 years, but we were living recklessly. And um, when we got saved, people prayed for us. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. We were in Mexico. These people were praying for us, and they were drug addicts when we left New York, and they got saved, and they were praying for us, and God put a, a special favor in our lives, and we accepted the Lord. But my family, who I used to do drugs with, sell drugs with, all of a sudden, they didn't like the new Michael and Maria. You know, what happened to, what happened to the fun guy, the fun girl, the party girl? Well, you know, we still party. We just party differently, you know? <laughs> and I never told them they shouldn't do drugs. I never condemned them for it, but we just wouldn't do it. And we stopped getting the invites. And, you know, people started to separate themselves. In fact, there was a time my family and my parents, who were very gracious to us, disowned us because they just couldn't understand. You go through struggles. When you become a Christian, there's some testing, but you wait on the Lord. I just to end that story. We waited on the Lord, and both my parents accepted the Lord, and they're with the Lord now. But there's a waiting period. But you will face struggles, you will face hardships, there'll be difficulties, there'll be challenges. And the Hebrew Christians were facing those challenges. And so the writer was saying, man, hang on. God's gonna come through, he never fails. And he was encouraging him to just hang to those promises. And, and, and the suggestion was, when he wrote it, was the Hebrew writer, he's saying, I know you're frustrated, but God's gonna come through for you. They were tempted to give up. They were tempted to kind of go another way and just maybe return to the old ways and move on and maybe take matters into their own hands as they saw it. And, and these were Jewish believers, so they knew the Psalms. They, they were good with the Old Testament, but like any of us, we can, Pastor Toledo can uh, speak a great sermon up here, or the singers, Pastor Chrissy can sing a great song and we get encouraged, and then we go through the middle of the week and we forget about it. It's part of our human nature. And so the Jews forgot some of the things that the, the Jewish Christians forgot some of the things that they learned as children. Like the, the psalm that David wrote in the 32nd Psalm where it says, I will instruct, I will. That's a promise from God. I will instruct, I will teach, I will educate you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch out over you. I, I'll manage you, I'll overlook your life. Through the good times, through the difficult times, they forgot the 27th Psalm, the 14th verse that says, wait on the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 
The 23rd Psalm is a very popular Psalm. Whether the people who go to church or not or know their Bibles, that's just a very familiar Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And then within that Psalm, it says that I will lead you, I will guide you. Well, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your shepherd, as your Lord and Savior, then when we go through those seasons of waiting, we gotta remind ourselves, he's gonna lead me. He's gonna guide me. And if I'm going through a valley, I may be going in, but I'm coming out the other side. So there's that posture we get where we just wait on the Lord. The Gentile Christians were getting frustrated because they were hearing about the return of the Lord and, uh, and it hadn't happened yet. And now the church is about maybe 30 years old and Peter writes his second letter, which most believe it was his final letter, to the believers. And he writes in the third chapter, the eighth verse, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So what, what he was saying is, listen, you might have a calendar, you might have a time schedule. But God doesn't align himself with our time schedule. It's so much different. His ways are not always much higher, much higher. Writing to these Jewish believers, they had to be reminded of the promise of God. And when I was preparing for this, I thought of this passage. It's a little lengthy, but bear with me. We'll put the scriptures on the, on the screens for you. But it just so speaks about what could happen when we get impatient, even though we may even have the word of the Lord but we don't obey it. This is in 1 Samuel 13, beginning with verse five. King Saul is king over Israel, and he's facing one of their arch enemies called the Philistines. It says this, the Philistines rallied their forces to fight Israel. Three companies of chariots, six companies of cavalry. Now in each company, there was 100. So when it says there's three companies of chariots, that means there was 300 chariots. 600 um, uh, uh, cavalry, that means there were 600 men on horses. And then it goes on to say, and so many infantry, they look like the sand on the seashore. In other words, a lot of people. They went up into the hills and set up camp at Michmash, east of Bethavin. And when the Israelites saw, so they saw what was in front of them. But remember, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith, right? But when they saw that they were way outnumbered and in deep trouble, they ran for cover hiding in caves and pits, ravines, brandles, cisterns, wherever. And they retreated across the Jordan River, refugees fleeing to the country, the, the country of Gad and Gilead. But Saul held his ground in Gilead, and his soldiers still with him, but scared to death. Gilgal was 20 miles away from Michmash. Goes on to say this. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. What you would need to know is three chapters before this, King Saul and Samuel the prophet had a little meeting and uh, he was giving them instructions about how he was to handle this situation with the Philistines. And he says in the 10th chapter, the eighth verse, Samuel speaking, who the Bible says he was a prophet where every word he spoke came to pass. It says this, you must wait, key word, wait. You must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Wait till you get the word of the Lord. Wait until you get the instructions. It goes on to say this. Sat, but, but Samuel, excuse me, he waited the seven days, the time set by Samuel. Samuel failed to show up at Gilgal, and the soldiers were slipping away right and left. So Saul took charge. Bring me the burnt offering and the peace offering, which only the priest was supposed to do. He wasn't a priest. He went ahead and sacrificed the burnt offering, and no sooner had he had done it that Samuel showed up and Saul greeted him. Samuel said, what on earth are you doing? And Saul answered, now 
Listen to the excuse. Saul answered, when I saw I was losing um, my army from under me and that you hadn't come when you said you would and that the Philistines were poised at Michmash, I said, the Philistines are about to come down on me in Gilgal and I haven't yet come before God asking for his help. So I took things into my own hands and sacrificed the burnt offering. He got a word from the Lord. The prophet told him what to do. Wait. But he didn't come when King Saul thought he would come. But he did come. He came at the 11th hour. He came before the day was completely over. He came at the end of the seventh day. But the instruction was, wait until I come to you and tell you what to do. It goes on to say this. This was a foolish thing you did, Samuel said to Saul. If you had kept the appointment that God had commanded, by now God would have set a firm and lasting foundation under your kingly rule over Israel. As it is, your kingly rule is already falling to pieces. Classic example of impatience. And impatience is just evidence of a lack of faith. Because if you trust God then it doesn't matter how long he takes. If he gives you the word, if we have the word, uh, we have the scriptures in front of us, if God's telling us to wait on something, if God gives us his word, then regardless of what it looks like, golly how it may appear, I'm going to stand on God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will last forever. And unbelief just links itself with impatience, and patience links itself with unbelief, and then we end up in a mess, and we lose out on the things God wanted for us. Was Saul outnumbered? Yes. Was his army slipping away? Yes. I mean, you know, these things were happening all around him. He saw this, but remember, he was, a, he was told to wait by the prophet. He got instructions to wait. And don't do anything until I tell you. And so often, remember, God works for those who wait for him. So often we miss out the work that God wants to do when we get impatient. And you can love God and still be impatient. And Saul waited up to a point, but waited no longer, and then he took matters into his own hands and and he didn't understand, or he didn't know, or maybe his impatience caused him to get distracted, to know that if God says he's going to do something, if he tells us he's never going to fail, then he's never going to fail. If he says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the same Jesus we read in our scriptures is the same Jesus we pray to, cry out to, and believe for him to walk, help us through any storm we face. But Saul lost sight of that. And you know, God... He does this to, to prove us, to test us, to show us where we're at. Remember the story about Abraham and, and, and Sarah? They were 75 years old and 65 when God said, I'm going to give you a son. And uh, he didn't do that until they were 190. Why? Because he wanted them to understand this wasn't their doing, it was God's doing. And everybody around them. When Abraham went to the city gates to talk to the elders, they say, Abraham, you got a boy? How'd that happen? God... When Sarah went down to the well to get some water, the other woman showed up. Sarah, you got a son. How could that be? That's my Jewish interpretation. I don't know if you noticed that <laughs> impression. And she said, it's God. God gets the glory when we wait, even when it seems ridiculous. And then when the boy was, when Isaac was maybe around 16, 14, 17, commentators disagree, but it's around when he was a young teen. God says to Abraham in Genesis 22, take the only son you have, the one that you love. First time love has appeared in the Bible. Take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. And, and Abraham knew what a sacrifice was. They did that in those days. You build a stone altar, you, then you put wood on it, then you take the sacrifice, you place a sacrifice on the wood, you slit the throat on the juggle of vein, the blood pours out, you set everything on fire, and it's over. That's what God was telling Abraham to do. Here's a father who loves his son. Three-day journey. But when he got to the top of Mount Moriah, he obeyed God, even though 
The whole thought of it is horrific. And the Bible says that when he took the knife up and was about to plunge it into his son, the angel Lord came and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he stopped. But he was willing to obey God to do something that he was willing to wait on the Lord and God spared the son. Do you know in everything that God tells us to do, like with this story, there's always a ram in the thicket. God always has a way out for us. The matter of us is just trusting him. Sometimes the situation could look so hopeless and look, there's no way out. But that's how God gets glory. That's, how God, that's why God got glory when Abraham and Sarah had a child. It was, it was, Hebrews said, tells us that they were, their body was as good as dead physically, but they had a child. Remember when, when God rescued the Israelites out of Egypt and, uh, and they get to the Red Sea and they're camped there and God's going to bring them over and all of a sudden now they hear all these hundreds of chariots from Pharaoh's army coming after them. They were trapped. The hundred cha- hundreds of chariots coming one way. The Dead Sea there, there was no way out. You know the story. If you don't know the story, you saw the movie. God splits the Red Sea and he passes a million plus people, took all night, but God made a way where there's no way. When we wait on the Lord and we follow his word, he always makes a way where there's no way. Always. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego thrown in a fiery furnace. When did God deliver them? Before they got into the furnace or while they were in the furnace? While they were in the furnace. Who got the glory? God turned Nebuchadnezzar's life around and they came out and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. My favorite is Lazarus. Gospel of John, where it goes to Jesus, the one you love is sick. And Jesus doesn't respond. There are, there, are, there are divine delays. And he doesn't respond. Not one day, not two days, four days. He was put in the tomb, and four days later, Jesus shows up at the cemetery. My opinion? If he would have showed up the first day Lazarus died, someone could have said he might have been in a coma. Or maybe he's just a heavy sleeper. Second day, still could have rationalized it that it might have been a coma. Same with the third day. But research tells us after three days, the body goes into rigor mortis. And in their custom, they buried the, day, the body the day it, 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 it died. Jesus, I think, particularly put, specifically picked the fourth day to make sure he ruled out any kind of... Uh, People thinking that this is a conspiracy and that he was only really sleeping. He was dead for days, but God raised him up. And when you read the story, you find out people put their faith in Christ because of Lazarus. See, when you wait on God and God does a miracle in your life, then, then people turn to Jesus because they look at the great things God has done to you and they know it's only God. They know it's only God. But it takes a waiting. It takes a waiting. Situations, we all face some challenges, trials. Up, those opportunities, those times where we wait on God, they become the, the platform for, for a miracle. Waiting is like the soil for God to plant miraculous uh, evidence of the things that God does for his glory. But it's a matter of waiting. And Saul got the worry, but he didn't wait. He wasn't, he wasn't supposed to make a decision. He was supposed to wait and trust. He was supposed to rely on God. And so often we just, you know, struggle with that and, and our faith is demonstrated by our rely on God's word and not going on what we feel or what we see. Uh, you know, even emotions can mess you up if you rely on your emotions because we're emotional people. And sometimes your emotions can distract you. You can't let your emotions, or even what you see, it doesn't mean that we're mindless. It just means, you know what? God's word is more important to me than anything that I see or anything that I feel. And uh, unbelief and impatience, they can just bring... We can, we can bring consequences into our life that God never planned. Jeremiah 29, 11, he has a plan for you. 
not to hurt you. When we make these decisions sometimes because we can't wait and, and we make choices we shouldn't have made, but we're, we're just frustrated waiting, we can bring things. You'll still be a Christian. You'll just bring things into your life that God never planned for you to have. Oh, he'll work it out for your good, but it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. There are some consequences we have to live with for the rest of our lives. And Saul was making offerings that he shouldn't have. He always got kind of superstitious and did something he shouldn't have done, thinking that was going to help him. He should have learned earlier. Remember when Eli's sons went to get the ark when they were fighting the Philistines, the same enemy? And they went to get the ark of God, which represented the presence of God. And they thought that was like a good luck charm. God is not a good luck charm. He's not a rabbit foot. He's not any of those things. He is God. And when he tells us to wait, we just need to wait. Obeying God. Leading on God. You know, and all the things that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, to the church in Rome, and he said everything that was written was written to teach us. To be a disciple has to be, you're, 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 you choose to be a learner. And the things that were written was to help us understand that there's a, a process and it goes through waitings. And we could be tempted about the things we're, we're facing right now. We hear the songs and we hear the sermons and, and we could just get into a situation that comes up and we begin to act when we shouldn't act. We begin to speak when we shouldn't speak. Isaiah says this, Isaiah 50, 10, let him or let her who walks in the darkness, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. There are times, there are dark seasons and waiting seems so ineffective. But when you trust in the Lord, it's not effective. It's not ineffective. Four times in scripture, Habakkuk, Galatians, Romans, Hebrews tells us that we live by faith, not by sight. And too often we can take on consequences, end up with consequences God never intended. Going back to Abraham and Sarah, remember God told them at 75 and 65, uh, you'll have a child. And after about 10 years, Genesis 16, they got a little tired of waiting. And they wanted to help God. We can't help God. We just need to yield to God. Well, they got tired of helping God, waiting on God, so they got this idea of maybe getting Sarah's maidservant. Um, and making her a surrogate mom, and then Abraham would sleep with Hagar, the maidservant, and then they would have a child, which they did, a boy named Ishmael, and that would help God fulfill the promise. And that didn't. Anytime you try to help God or go out of the way and not obey God, you will end up with an Ishmael in your life. And there was heartache in the home and fighting and yelling and abuse. You know, God performed the first marriage on a, in a garden. I believe that was significant. He wanted us to know that our marriages should be like a garden. In fact, he called it the Garden of Eden. The word Eden means delight. Our homes should be a garden of delight. And when they're not, it's because we're not obeying the word of God. We may have done things we should have done, but now we have to live with an Ishmael. We move ahead of God and we make such mistakes. Proverbs 14, 12 says there is a way that seems right. Seems right. But it leads to death. And so oftentimes, we just bring heartache that God never intended. As a, as a pastor now, Maria and I have been pastoring for 33 years. Um, people come and they go, I, I feel to start this, this new business. Okay, well, maybe we should just wait and pray. Oh, but the time is just right. The monies are there. Okay, if it's not God, it's going to collapse. I hate to tell you that, but if it's not God... It might look like you got all your ducks in a row, but that doesn't mean it's God. Yeah, but I, you know, I got this ministry. I got this burden to do this. That's a great burden. That's, is it God? You know, you know, I'm going to launch out and self-appoint myself and, and come into such financial problems. And I'll, I'll go back to the singles again because my heart is for them. You know, they, they see Mrs. Wright or Mr. Wright. They're not waiting and they're not getting counsel and 
They just move ahead because loneliness is a tough thing. And then they're back in my office, Pastor Toledo's office, saying, I can't take it anymore. He's not the man that I thought. He, she's not the woman I thought they were. So important to wait on God and not to move ahead. And we can all give excuses like Saul did. Even remember Adam and Eve, the first sin, when, they, when God called them on the carpet, Adam says, well, the woman you gave me. And Eve said, well, the serpent you gave me. And we can make all kinds of excuses, but we need to act wisely. We need to wait on the Lord. It's not so much making decisions as waiting on the Lord and trusting the Lord that he's going to work on our behalf. Uh, I, I, I want to encourage you guys. You have a great church here. You have a great pastor here. But there are things you're going to have to make a decision on, and it's going to take some waiting. And if you wait on the Lord, God will always lead you the right way. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You won't miss out. You won't miss out. God, God's in your corner. He doesn't want you to fail. Singers, come on behind me. I'm going to ask them to sing that song they sang earlier during the offering. Take courage, because some of you need to take courage. I'm not saying that when you walk out these exit doors and you put your key in the car or you go home to your apartment that things are going to be changed immediately. But I'm going to believe that you're going to leave here different than the way you came in. And you're going to leave here with a sense of courage knowing that even though I'm waiting, God is going to work on my behalf and he's going to bring me through this. I'll give you one more example. Remember when Jesus was crucified, he rose on the third day and he spent 40 days going around talking to his disciples. He appeared to the men on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to the women. He, one time he appeared to 500. He appeared to the apostles. And he was telling them about the kingdom of God and what it was going to be like. And then this last time, he meets the uh, disciples in Jerusalem. And he says this in Acts 1-4, right, be right before he's ascended into heaven. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, my father promise. That gift was the gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift was going to guide them and lead them and govern them. But they had to wait in Jerusalem. They, most of them didn't live in Jerusalem. Most of them lived in Capernaum. So if they were going to stay there, it was going to cost them money or some inconvenience or find someone to put them up. Well, for how long? Well, I don't know. He just said, wait. Wait what? A week? Wait a month? Wait a year? Well, they decided to go to the upper room where God Gave them the Lord's Supper, 120 of them. And they're waiting, sitting just like you are now, praying like we've been doing. One day, two days, three days, six days, seven days. Well, maybe he'll come in a week, seven days, right? Eight days, nine days. It was on the 10th day, that 10th morning, that the Holy Spirit came in, a sound of the rushing mighty wind, tongues of fire on the head, them speaking in tongues, the birth of the church, and, and, and the world has never been the same. But what happens if they didn't wait the 10 days? Suppose one of them got impatient. Hey, look, and I got a business to run. I got, I got the kids. I got to get home to the kids. You know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's already been a week. He hasn't come yet. I don't know what he's talking about waiting. What the promise? What promise? We have the scriptures to tell us, but because they waited, God came in a powerful way and they were changed. They became the men and women of God that God wanted them to be. The world has not been the same. When we wait on the Lord, dramatic things happen, supernatural things happen. And I don't know what's going on in your world, but I'll tell you what you need to do. At least this is what God put on my heart to tell you. Wait on him. Don't take matters into your own hands. Wait on him and believe that he will work in your life. I'm going to ask you all to stand, please.
Please stand. Please. Please stand. Now I'm going to ask the singers to sing this song, this portion, this chorus. And I want you to close your eyes for a minute and just let it, just let it kind of marinate in your spirit. That's a good word. Let it marinate. Let it just get deep down in your spirit. Just consider what you're going through. Consider what you're facing. What are you waiting on? What, 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 what's going on in your world, in your life? God knows it, but he's asking you to wait. And just let the words of this song, let the words of this song just minister to your spirit. And in a moment, we'll even join them in singing. Singers. Encourage my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. Come on now, let's sing it. Let's declare it. Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. Now, we're going to sing that again, but we're going to sing this a little different. If you feel God speaking to you and you know you have to be waiting on something, I'm going to ask you to look, get out of your row and come and stand up here in the front with me. And let's just sing this to the Lord, encouraging ourselves. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And declare, God, I know it's in the waiting, but I'm going to take courage in your word today. And I'm not leaving here the way I came in. So as you walk down here, join the singers and sing it. Encourage my it. heart. For your home. Stay for your marriage. My soul. For your finances. For your health. He's in the way.
want you to begin this next few, the next few moments, I want you to declare to God, you know that he's faithful. Come on, tell him, you're faithful. Come on, all over the building, you're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. He never fails. Come on, open up your mouth right now and just declare it. All over the building, declare that our God is a faithful God. He's true to his word. He's true. He keeps every single promise. Hallelujah. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful, oh God. You're faithful, oh God. Blessed be your name, oh God. Blessed be your name, oh God. We wait upon you because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, oh God. We wait upon you because we know you're faithful, oh God. Hallelujah. We wait upon you, Lord. We wait upon you, Lord. We wait. Come on, you know what? Lift your hand. Let's give him. They used to give God a wave offering all over the building. Wave your hands to him. We wait upon you, Lord. Come on, worship as you wait. for each other in a moment but right now the now is the moment the Bible says my house shall be called the house of what we're supposed to pray now this is the moment where in church you don't just receive you actually give okay stretch out your hand towards the front right now okay God wants you to participate in this moment each and every one of us because we're a family with the people of God. And here's what we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray that God would fill every heart with great courage right now. Courage that says, Lord, I don't even have to see it. I don't even have to feel it. I know that I know that I know that I know that you will be faithful, oh God. Hallelujah. And what I want 
you're holding hands, don't pray for yourself because God is already taking care of you. Pray to the left, pray to the right, that God would baptize them with courage, that they're gonna walk out of here and live with courage and live by faith and know that God is about to come through all over the building. Open your mouths and begin to pray right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord. God, impart courage, oh God. We're gonna live by faith. We're gonna wait, oh Lord. We pray for courage in the name of Jesus. Courage to wait, courage to believe, oh God. Impart faith, impart courage. Courage is faith and faith is courage, oh God. Yes, Lord, courage. Lord, we join our hearts together right now. And Lord, we pray that the first miracle would be a release of courage to not take matters into our own hands. We will not by faith, Lord. We pray for grace. We're going to walk out of here. We're going to have opportunities. But Lord, our hearts will be stronger. Our eyes will be clearer. We're going to be at rest. We will not take matters into our own hands. We will wait upon you, God. God, do that in the spirit right now. In the spirit, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit guide us and speak to us and speak through us as we go from this place. We have the courage, we have the faith to wait for your miracle, oh God. Thank you, Lord. And here's what we're going to pray now, those even with your hands all over the building, take someone's hand. The Bible says that when we touch and agree, power is released from on high and we are in agreement Pastor Durso has now said it twice waiting is the soil in which God grows his amazing miracles and so we're gonna believe God right now don't pray for yourself pray for someone else left to the right right now pray for the release of that miracle right now god release release every miracle we thank you we thank you we thank you for the miracles that are being released in this building oh god you know the details you know the timing you have the blueprint you're the great architect oh god you're the great designer lord jesus power
said, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Call Lazarus forth today in the name of Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Come on, when you have courage, you praise in advance. Let's start praising and put your hands together. Come on, let's start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, oh God. Father, we walk from your house with great joy and peace. We walk from this place with great strength and courage. Thank you, Lord. Because, Lord, our rest is in you. Our rest is in you. And our strength is in you. Father, as we go from this place today, I pray that we would keep praising. I pray that we would keep rejoicing. Lord, we want to stay in the Spirit today. And Lord, our eyes are going to be angled towards the heavens. Because Lord, we will not stop waiting until you open the windows of heaven and pour down the answer. Come on, let's give God praise one more time before we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Ladies, turn and give four or five ladies a hug.